Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, time for another edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. Dr. Ross Green here with my co-host, Susie Parton, and we do this virtually every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern, uh, September through May, where we um, answer questions, answer emails, talk about behaviorally challenging kid and how to understand them and parent them in ways that make things go better. Susie, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. And you? I am well. Um, I am now the proud father of an 18-year-old daughter. Wow. I don't know how happy I am about that, but of course you've been through this three times, not all daughters, but, um, well, the time sure does fly, doesn't it? It just, with a snap of the fingers. And as I wrote her in the card that I wrote for her, um, it hasn't all been easy, but life isn't always easy. But um, luckily, uh, one of the things we do on this program is help it go easier. I don't know if life with a behaviorally challenging kid is ever going to be easy, but at least we can see if we can make things go easier. And uh, toward that end, anything that you wanted to start with today, or should we jump straight into the massive number of emails that accumulated over the summer and that we are just chipping our way through now? Uh, I just wanted to mention that fall is a great time of year. Um, Kids are experiencing new challenges, and kids who have difficulties need an effective way to deal with these challenges. And so it's a great time to, if you haven't already, try to use the model um, because there's a whole new set of challenges that come up with each new school year. Um, You know, the challenging behavior uh, still exists, so this suggests a need for a different approach and a Plan B conversation. There you go. Uh, Fall up here in the state of Maine, without question, one of my favorite seasons. I've now bought my pumpkin and have it on my front (laughs) porch, and um, I'm ready to roll with the leaves. Unfortunately, it looks like it's going to be a brown one this year, not a very bright one. And I don't exactly know what the recipe is for. I know it has something to do with rain and dry and temperatures, but as a um, born and bred Floridian, I don't think I was around for the lesson on what makes for bright falls. This one's shaping up to be a brown one. Uh, I do know the recipe for helping behaviorally challenging kids, and that is figure out what their lagging skills are, figure out what expectations they're having difficulty meeting, and then start solving their problems collaboratively and proactively. And um, boy, that is a recipe that the research says works really well. Shall we dive into the emails here? 
Uh, yes, but let's first just give the uh, call-in number. Let's is, do it. It's uh, 347-994-2981. And press 1. And press 1. And that's it. Yes. We're ready. Here's one. Our daughter is a very bright, engaging kid, extremely strong-willed, has been since late infancy. Every day is a new battle, and we try to adapt to parent her. She's now started kindergarten and is pushing boundaries, testing rules, nothing earth-shattering, but not great until this week. Now she's talking back to teachers, refusing to cooperate, pouring water down the hallway, throwing pencils at other children. She had similar issues a few times at preschool. The teachers are seeking guidance but are unsure how to handle her. At home, she has big temper tantrums, swears, screams, throw things, spits. She has to be in control at all times. If she's, not in, contro- if she's in control, she's generally fine. Negotiates, manipulates, fibs easily. Can be very sweet, likes to help younger, sick, those in need. Has a very good heart. A very big kid for her age, so it's difficult to physically manage her when she's upset. This is disruptive to family life regularly and now school. She was adopted at birth. Her birth mom may be bipolar, birth dad, no information. The behavior is worse when she's tired or hungry, but those aren't the only indicators. I am very happy to find your website. Uh, What should I do first? Thank you. Well, um, you want to take a stab at that one, Susie, or want me to? Um, well, why don't you go ahead? Well, the thing I'm uh, noticing is that some of many of the things that are being said about her daughter are things that are commonly said about behaviorally challenging kids, uh, strong-willed, um, lots of battles, Um, pushing boundaries, testing rules. Um, Then we have some behaviors, uh, talking back, uh, pouring water down the hallway, throwing pencils, Um, same things going on at home, temper tantrums, cussing, screaming, throwing things. Now, those are the behaviors. Um, What those behaviors tell us, by the way, um, is that uh, she's struggling. Something's not going well. There's a problem that needs to be solved. There's an expectation that she's having difficulty meeting and people are trying to probably get her to meet it because if 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 uh, she was having no difficulty meeting it she wouldn't be exhibiting those behaviors and people wouldn't be saying those things about her now here's the ones that uh here's here's one that i'm not too keen on but manipulates um fibs easily as a behavior negotiates actually negotiating would not be a terrible thing if we're doing it the right way collaboratively and proactively uh it does sound like this uh little girl has a heart very sweet likes to help younger people those who are sick those who are in need that's fabulous and you don't want to be physically managing when her when she's upset whether she's big or small I can only imagine that this is disruptive to family life, and now it's disruptive to school life as well. The circumstances of her birth, um, we'll never know with great precision if those have anything to do with her current difficulties. And now the question, where to start first? 
um, I always start with the uh, assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. So the first thing, actually, I would recommend to this mom is uh, take the walking tour in the parent and families section on the Lives in the Balance website. Let's make sure you have the right lenses on. That's section number one. Then, what I was about to say, let's make sure you are identifying lagging skills so that you're seeing your daughter through the prism of what she really struggling with. Because um, all those behaviors are the byproduct of lagging skills. And there are reasons some kids really feel comfortable only when things are going their way. And it's not because they're manipulative. And there's some things that you didn't include in your email. It's not because they're spoiled or bratty. It's none of those things. Um, kids do well if they can. So if your kid could be meeting the expectations that are being placed upon her at home and at school, she would be. And if she's not, there's probably a bunch of lagging skills to explain it. Then on the same instrument, which you'll find in the Identify Lagging Skills and Unsolved Problems section of the walking tour, um, you'll find out how to start identifying the expectations your daughter is having difficulty meeting. Then, section number three, start solving those problems collaboratively so that she's not talking back to teachers, refusing to cooperate, pouring water down the hallway, throwing pencils at other children, temper tantrums, cussing, screaming, throwing things, spitting, um, fibbing. Hate to see kids who have good hearts struggling so much. And here's the good news. My last comment here is um, there's also an educators and schools section on the same website. And... Um, you might want to turn the kindergarten teachers onto that section because it sounds like they are a, at a bit of a loss as well. And um, if your daughter is exhibiting those behaviors at school, well, there's a pretty decent chance that the adults are imposing their will on her and insisting harder that she meet expectations, that she's having difficulty meeting. And, um, boy, it sounds like they need some help too. Um, I got a really nice compliment when I was speaking in Florida on Friday. Somebody said to me that the Lives in the Balance website is absolutely the best website they've ever been on. Ah, oh, isn't um, that great? I hope this mom and the folks at school have the exact same experience. Susie, what are your thoughts? Yep. Um, I want to say that it's important to keep a log for a week so that you can... Um, find out the problems, the unsolved problems that keep showing up, um, and you want to prioritize those problems so you're only working on two or three at a time. Uh, the rest you put on the back burner for now. Um, being tired and hungry certainly rings a bell. My son was similar to um, that, and he was prone to more outbursts um, when he was tired and hungry. So I tried to do whatever I could to make sure that I had snacks on hand and, um, you know, watch that carefully. Um, also, that these lagging skills and unsolved problems are a similar to a developmental delay. They're a learning disability. 
um, similar to a math or a reading problem. So you want to treat it, these lagging skills in flexibility, adaptability, problem solving, and frustration tolerance as a developmental delay. Um, uh, you don't want to pathologize the kid. Like you said, um, there's not much we can do about the birth mother um, and diagnoses don't really help figure out what's getting in the child's way. Um, as I said, as I mentioned before, it's a great time of year. The school year's just starting. They've been The kids have been in school for a few weeks. So um, maybe the mom can purchase a copy of Lost at School to um, make a proactive appointment herself with the teachers or at the very least a copy of the paperwork that you can download on the website for free as well as um, you wrote an article, Dr. Green, about five ways to improve school for behaviorally challenging students. Those would be um, helpful things to do. Outstanding. Well, Mom, uh, you've got our way in. Feel free to call in if you want to, but do let us know how it's going. Here's another. Uh, this is an interesting one. Dear Dr. Green and Associates, I have started the explosive child, and I really like the approach uh, it has to children with behavioral challenges. I believe the approach is and is going to be appropriate for my three-and-a-half-year-old son. But so far, the book seems geared towards older children, and I am not sure if I should begin the work required by the book if it is too early. My second question might seem rather funny. The fraternal twin brother of the child with explosive episodes responds appropriately to traditional discipline measures, Nothing drastic, just the usual rewards and punishment sort of thing. The boys are so differently motivated, they require different approaches. Won't it be confusing to the more easygoing child that his brother is not being treated the same way as him? And I suppose my third question, the child who is explosive only has fits with his parents and occasionally with his babysitter, who he has known for four months. This is his second year at nursery school, and all we ever hear is that he's 100% compliant, easy to deal with so far. We figure he just holds it all in. He only goes mornings anyways. Is this typical? Thank you. Okay, if I take a crack at that one. Sure. Uh, I don't find that solving problems collaboratively and identifying unmet expectations looks a whole lot different for a two-year-old as compared to an 18-year-old. I don't find that it looks much different in a home than it does in a school, than it does in an inpatient psychiatry unit, than it does in a prison. It's never too early to figure out what skills a kid is lacking and never too early to figure out what expectations the kid is having difficulty meeting and to try to start solving problems collaboratively and proactively with that kid. So, um, yes, start now would be my main advice. But now here comes, um, here comes the other part. Question number two, is it okay to parent kids differently? 
Everybody does. Everybody does. The uh, the other the alternative is to parent them exactly the same, even though they need something different. In which case, actually, neither of them would be getting what they need. If that still feels a little funny, though, I would strongly recommend solving problems collaboratively and proactively with your well-behaved child because you may find that um, he is just as responsive to solving problems collaboratively and proactively as he is to rewards and punishment, and we'd never want to deprive him just because he's not behaviorally challenging of all of the great stuff that comes along with solving problems collaboratively and proactively, feeling heard in the empathy step, feeling understood, um, hearing what somebody else's concerns are in the defined adult concern step, um, coming to solutions uh, and collaborating on them, and solutions that are realistic and mutually satisfactory. We don't want to have your uh, well-behaved boy miss out just because he's well-behaved. Um, and last question, is it common for the challenging behavior to occur at home and not at school? That is actually the most common manifestation of challenging behavior. In my experience, second most common is both environments, least common, school and not home, even though that does occur. And there's my answers to a lot of those questions. Susie, I bet you have some ideas, too. Yes. Um, I also want to support what you said about it's never too early to start talking with your child and uh, working things out. Um, you want to be responsive to the hand you've been dealt. So um, the regular brother so to speak, um, will see that his twin is getting help in things that unsolved problems that he's having trouble with. And um, at some point, the well-behaved brother um, would embrace the model as well and um, I suspect, have a few things that he would need help working on as well. So it helps you to understand your child better and to get started now. It's uh, it's the best time. And as I always say, sometimes during my talks, we start um, identifying unsolved problems in infants and we even start collaborating with them and trying to figure out what their concerns are, even when they're infants. Three and a half? No worries. Here's another. Uh, this one says, great book, helping already after a week of implementing Plan B with my 12-year-old son. Question, what can you do about a kid taking video games too seriously, getting agitated, angry, swearing when losing? The child has no solutions, and I don't know enough about how one feels when playing these games. I think that's the key sentence. Previously, I have resorted to taking games away for a while, turning off the Internet, etc., with a challenging episode following. I do control when the games are available, Friday and Saturday. 
Can we help out this mom? Sure. We can always make things better. Want to take a crack at it first, or do you want me to? Um, well, I think she, as we say, keep tries to keep a log for a week and um, to to break down um, the unsolved problems into more specific um, parts, and um, then she can. Um, use the ALSEP, the Assessment of Lagging Skills and Unsolved Problems, and prioritize those two or three unsolved problems that are um, giving way to challenging behavior. Well, now, this mom is writing about a very specific unsolved problem. Her son is having difficulty um, playing video games um, and it sounds like he's getting very upset about them. But the part of the email that jumped out at me was, I don't know enough about how one feels when playing these games. Now, we heard that the son has no solutions, but here's what I don't know. I don't know what his concern or perspective is, so I'm a little worried that we may not know what, because we don't know what his concern or perspective is, which is my interpretation of mom saying, I don't know enough about how one feels when playing these games. I think it's probably safe to say that he's getting frustrated. You could get more details on what's frustrating. Um, And I don't necessarily think one should take it as obvious. Um, But those are behaviors kids who play video games often exhibit when there is something frustrating about playing the game, some, perhaps, I'm theorizing here, some goal that they hoped to achieve and didn't. That's what's frustrating about playing video games a lot of the time, but I have no idea, quite frankly, but that's what we need to find out. What is his concern? What is his perspective? What is his point of view? What is going on? when he's playing the video game because it is impossible to come up with solutions that will address those concerns until we know what those concerns are. And while I'm hearing that he hasn't been able to come up with a solution and that solutions are being imposed, for example, taking away the video game, um, if we want to collaborate on a solution, we're going to want to do it by finding out what his concerns are. There's my two cents. Shall we turn our attention to another? I don't think we have any phone calls yet. We do. Uh, Just called in, and let's take it, because callers always take first priority on this program. Let's go to area code 210. You're on the air. What's on your mind today? Hello. Um... Um, I know that you're speaking of the child that doesn't exactly have a solution for his video games. Me, as a mother of two children that have habits of getting really upset and getting kind of anxiety when they do play video games, I think it is a solution to take their video games away. But to an extent, you know, kids have to have certain things that is for themselves as their video games or television or anything of that sort. 
What do you mean by have things for themselves? Things for themselves as as things that children enjoy, like activities. Well, I agree with you there. And I think what this mom is saying, and it sounds like you've had the same experience, um, kids do, while they might enjoy video games, they can also get very frustrated with what's going on in the video game. And then, of course, the question, the big question becomes, and I'm going to put you on mute just because there's a lot of background noise. So I'm going to mute you for a okay. second, then we'll bring you back. Um, the big question is, is that a problem that should be solved unilaterally, as in taking away the video game that's through imposition of adult will, or is that a problem that can be solved collaboratively? Now, I find most parents take care of that one unilaterally, but um, and I guess there are some problems that one might end up having to solve unilaterally. I just find that Solving a problem unilaterally often causes major explosions, especially in the kids we talk about on this program. And so the preference is to see if there's a way to solve them collaboratively, which would not involve adults imposing their will, so that they can enjoy playing the video game without getting so upset. So that's always the big question on any expectation that a kid is having difficulty meeting. Um, and the reason this model exists is because solving problems unilaterally with kids who are prone to explode often makes things worse. And so with those kids, there's a really good reason to try to solve problems in a different way. You can get away with solving problems unilaterally with a regular old kid, I always say, because they're not going to tear your house apart. But with a behaviorally challenging kid... It's a somewhat different playing field, and that's why solving problems collaboratively with the behaviorally challenging variety um, is such an important thing because trying to solve them unilaterally sometimes makes things worse. I'm going to unmute you. What do you think? I think, you know, I've always tried to solve problems with my children very collaboratively. I try to, you know, give them incentives for doing the right thing and, I try to really, you know, kind of, um, let me say, like, I I give them, I help them. I help them, you know, do the right thing, and I help them not get so frustrated and anxious about video games. And I try to kind of, you know, help them. Hello? Susie, any thoughts? Um, Susie? Hello. Um, I just wanted to add that uh, when you're solving problems unilaterally or using plan A, it doesn't teach the skills or solve problems so that the problem persists. Um, that's why it's important to use um a different approach, Plan B, um, so that you can indirectly teach those skills and solve problems so the maladaptive behavior eventually is reduced or even eliminated. 
Well, we seem to have lost um, the connection with Mom. Um, I hope she'll take the guide, the walking tour, because um, I really want her to learn more about how to solve problems collaboratively and proactively. Mm-hmm. But we have another caller now from area code 858, so let's take that one now. Uh, area code 858, what's up? Good morning, Dr. Green. Um, and Susie, I, how are you? I'm Susie, hi. Hi. Well, thank you. Um, I, have, uh, I read your article in the Mother Jones uh, in, on July 8th, and my life has been changed, our family's life has been changed. I'm delighted. Ever since that, <laughs> that day, but just still really struggling in the solution step with my nine-year-old son. <clears throat> we have, my husband and I have sat down and done the ALSEP, ALSEP. I've um, probably listened to 60 hours of your podcast since July. Oh, goodness. I've read your book and watched YouTube videos. I have, my husband says I have drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so I am, um, we're just really struggling with, in talking through solutions with my son and be and I understand about most of the solutions aren't actually the right solution, but my son's getting to the point where he's um just doesn't want to talk about it anymore, and he just kind of rolls his eyes and so so the specific example of unsolved problem is the morning routine and just and getting dressed in the morning okay. and that that specific step. And so, well, now, so go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. So, um, so I've um, probably so school started probably four weeks ago. So we've for four weeks have been talking about this issue and have pursued these advice. I set up appointments with him, and we'll say, "Wow, well, it sounds like you know we need to think about this more." You know, can we come back tomorrow evening and talk about it? And he'll say yes. And then, oftentimes when it's in the evening, I don't want to talk about it, Mom. I you know, I don't know, or sometimes I feel like when we're talking about solutions, um, he just he has zero ideas for solutions, and I'm really trying to wait for him to say something. And so when I don't get much from him, I try to lead the witness, and um, you know, and then he'll when we come up with a solution, say yeah, 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 that's great, that's great. And then the next morning comes, and any of the things that we mutually agreed upon isn't necessarily happening. So then. We, you know, proactively on, you know, a different day when nothing's heated, we come back and say, wow, that, just, that wasn't working, you know, what's up? And, and then he just sort of says, I don't know, Mom, I don't know, I don't know. I just don't want to do it. Okay, so let's help. get a little technical. Okay. Can we get technical? I love it. Yes. It sounds like the unsolved problem you began with was difficulty getting dressed in the morning. Yes? Correct. Yes. All right. Now, I don't want to hear about the solutions yet because I want to hear, whenever I hear about solutions, the only solutions that make sense are the ones that address the concerns of both parties, that's the mutually satisfactory part, and that are realistic, meaning both parties can actually do what they're agreeing to do. So for us to explore the mutually satisfactory part, because it sounds like the solutions that have been tried, haven't worked. And rather than having you bounce from solution to solution, sometimes it's best to take a step back and say, 
do I understand the concerns of both parties well enough? And how come these solutions aren't working? And the reality is, solutions usually only work for one of a few reasons. They weren't realistic in the first place. Mm -hmm. They weren't mutually satisfactory in the first place. But to figure out the mutually satisfactory part, we've got to hear what the concerns of both parties are. So, what did you find out about his concerns about difficulty getting dressed in the morning? What do we know yeah. about that? Yeah, so it's, um, this is something I've learned in this process that, um, and advice for their parents, or, uh, or at least I was surprised about this. It takes about two to three weeks in our family to drill down through concerns because we ju- I just get little snippets every, every day. But on this issue, I, I, the concerns I've been able to get out of him is that he just doesn't want to do it. And then recently I was able to get out of get out of him that sounds trouble. Um, that he was able to communicate that um there were a lot of distractions. And, Got and it. other than that, I, I haven't been able to it just comes down to I just don't feel like it. I just don't feel like it. And then when we when we figured out that there were too many distractions, like, oh that was really helpful and you know, he said, Oh, my Legos are distracting or this is distracting so, so that that was helpful, and then so I, I felt like we had got concerns on the table, and I was able to get <clears throat> my concerns on the table at that point. And so we came up with a few solutions of you know getting his clothes out in, in another room <clears throat> to to get dressed, and it's still uh, that hasn't been hasn't been working. So when we've gone back to, to talk through. I about gosh, you know, I thought you know it was the dis- distractions, and then he just comes back to, I just don't want to, I just don't feel like it. Got it. Well, apparently he's having trouble you telling you what his concerns are, because yeah. I just I just don't want to is not um, going to be something that you can address with a solution. It does sound like you got a little bit more on the there are a lot of distractions. But now um, I'm wondering about thoughts you might have about what's making it so hard for your son to tell you what his concerns are about that. Yeah, that's, yes, I think that's why I'm calling because um, on the, the three unsolved problems that we're working on right now, this this is the part that I just were really struggling with is getting the communication from him and his concerns and you know three weeks of of drilling you down and you know I've done all I've, some of the helpful things I've done is just saying like can you just shake your head yes or no or thumbs up or down mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. of those things help um, a, a little bit but I just still have a hard time getting to what his concerns are and I and I mean for weeks of asking I used to be a Spanish teacher and I used to know how to do yes no questions either or and then open ended and I'm really good at the questioning part and I I, I yeah I, I'm having a hard time getting him to say what his concerns are and just and one of our second unsolved problems is related to homework and I we you know, I keep going, well, what part of the homework is hard? The writing, well, what part of the writing? I don't know all of it. I don't, he just, I, I, I'm hard to get specifics 
from Well, let him. me ask uh, you this. Does he yes. do, are you able is he able to engage in conversations that are about things that are not problems or is he is that not so easy for him either? No, he can he can communicate uh, you know, somewhat on things that he's interested in. I mean, I think one of his writing skills is, you know, communicate of communication. Um, but yes, he's definitely having a hard time articulating, you know, what's getting in his way and Got it. You know, I just So yeah. I like that you've tried some other strategies. My favorite along those lines is um having a kid hold up fingers. Mm-hmm. Five means that a statement you've made is very true. Four means pretty true. Three means sort of true. Two means not very true. One means not true at all. And then theorizing, as you were doing, because it does sound like you are having a great deal of difficulty getting information out of him. It sounds like you're doing it proactively. So doing it emergently does not seem to be the issue. Um, but I'm also wondering about a few other things. I'm wondering about more global... How old is he? He's nine in fourth grade. Nine. And people aren't talking about that it's hard for him to express his thoughts or write his thoughts down? Um, he definitely struggles with with those at school and in writing and you know, even to, to get a few sentences on paper is a, a big struggle for him. Got it. So I think the answer to why are these, why is the solution not working is that we don't have enough information from him in the empathy step. But now comes the hard part, figuring out how we can get more information from him. And I'm, you know, uh, we, we don't know each other. I don't know your son. So I'm uh, discussing these things with you a bit blindly. But um, I'm wondering about asking his teachers about whether they're experiencing this in him as well and whether it might not be a bad idea to have his communication skills evaluated more formally, just so you can get a bead on that. Um, but I think that you don't want to run with solutions until you feel like you do have enough information to actually do something information that you can actually do something about. Um, and yes, I get it. It's been, you've been at this for three weeks, and all the only kernel of information you've gotten is that he is distracted. But three weeks later, you've convinced me he's having a great deal of difficulty telling you what his concerns are. So you don't want to plunge forward with solutions until you have a better sense of his concerns. But now comes the big challenge. Is there a way, while you're in the midst of figuring out whether this is a more global issue for him, communication, is there a way to get information from him non-verbally? And the finger method that I just described is my usual starting point with you saying something. Now, I've got other kids, by the way, who didn't like the finger part, and instead the parents gave the kid a written survey with multiple choice items. And that would look something like this. The reason I'm having difficulty, and a a Likert scale, so rating it from one to five, but instead of having to do it verbally, the kid um, just has to circle an item. Okay? Um, And yes, it does sound like three weeks later, he's getting a little bit bothered by the amount of talking we're asking him to do. 
but it does sound like there's a decent chance. I have no idea for sure, but it does sound like there's a decent chance he's having trouble with the communication part when plan B, when the empathy step is requiring a verbal response from him. So then the challenge becomes, is there a way to get that information from him non-verbally? And the finger method and the survey are my two favorite ways to get that. But you may also want to see if this is a more global problem for him, because if it is, you'd sure want to know that as well. What kinds of things could would the school do to evaluate his communication skills? Well, there are speech and language therapists who are, and, and lots of different instruments that are very useful in um, examining any variety of different um, ways that people try to communicate in language. Uh, they'll, they'll evaluate the degree to which he's understanding what you're saying, receptive language. They'll evaluate the degree to which, and whether that's whether he's understanding simple and concrete stuff or whether he's having running into trouble with more abstract stuff. It is not an unusual kid in my office who I'm noticing there is a very long latency of response on abstract questions. And what's what's troubling you about that or what's difficult for you about that is actually a fairly abstract question. If I were to say, what color is the sky, I get an immediate blue because that's a very concrete question. So there are many, many different facets of language processing that speech and language therapists are extraordinary at evaluating. And that's something that a school should provide to you if you have concerns about it, and especially if they're seeing it as well. It's also something you can get privately. Um, but just given the little that I'm hearing, I don't like to jump to conclusions on this program because I haven't met with you or your son. I don't, I don't really have much of an idea. But just the little bit that I'm hearing makes me think that that's something that's probably worth taking a look at. Oh, that's really helpful. Can I just, on a little sidebar note, all the things that you have helped our family and everything, but um, last week we had an updated IEP <clears throat> with my son and being proactive. We had nine people from the school in the room, and I was able to talk about you and the and collaborative proactive solutions, and I am trying to get some more people to drink some Kool-Aid in our school, and I just I, our school's very excited about it, and I I feel like oftentimes I've heard people are up against a lot of resistance, and I feel like we've had such open arms at our school with the teachers, the school psychologists, and it just it gives me a lot of hope, which is exciting. You are welcome to call. Um, um, that is that is all fantastic. You are welcome to call in any time, and do keep us posted on the discussion with the folks at school about the communication skills. I'm not hearing that that came up in the IEP meeting, or did it? It did not, and that's so. Uh, um, and I think cause that was one of my concerns that we're worried about. You know, homework and writing being a struggle. For him, and, and his teacher brought one of his journals and said, "Oh no, look, he wrote a couple of sentences here or a paragraph, which is more than I've ever seen him him do." So they, she didn't, you know. And that's a new teacher; it's only been, I think, at the time she'd only had him for three weeks. But mm-hmm. but but still, it, it hasn't come up in you know, last year when we started his IEP, and um, so I I'm a little bit at a loss. 
of of that going forward, but I, you know, I just keep trying and plugging away. Keep us posted. If we can help from a distance, obviously we will. But just on the little bit I'm hearing, uh, it does sound like that's something worth taking a closer look at. And just stay in touch. And if we can help you, we're we're certainly happy to. Okay. Thank you for the work you do. It's an honor to to talk to you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for calling in. Keep us posted. All right. You bet. Thanks. Take care. Well, um, fortunately, we have to let the other two people who've been holding on know that we're not going to get to you today. I always hate when that happens. But please, please, please call back next week, and we'll get you on first. I apologize that we ran out of time today. Susie, it looks like we need to call it a day for today. Thanks for helping out today. My pleasure. Thank you. We'll be back again next week. Take care, everybody.